That passage, I would venture to say, just about everyone here, if you've been raised in the church, if you will, you've had Bible classes, you've seen that parable many, many times. In fact, some of you are like, well, what's, you know, you know the rest of the story, so I didn't have to give that part of it. Um, and that said, some of you may be here and you may not know the rest of the story. Well, I'm going to give that to you toward the very end of the, the lesson. But the primary import of what we are talking about stems back from last week as we we're looking at being fruitful in the Lord's kingdom. Because if in fact we add to our faith all the virtuous things that God has given to us, then we are told that we would be neither barren nor unfruitful. Or neither barren nor unfruitful. And so what we are talking about this morning is taking what God has given to us. And when we look at scripture, there's a lot that he has. Look at what happens when we become Christians. We die to sin and we begin to live for God. And when we do that, we are told that we become slaves, servants of righteousness. And as such, we have purpose in our lives. And the purpose is for us to live as we have been created to live. We are told in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are told in Romans chapter 6 verse 19 that when we become slaves to righteousness, it is for the purpose of having our fruit to holiness. That's our purpose. That we live a holy life. That we live like God. And when we do that, we are told then the reality of who we are, the identity that we have in Jesus Christ by virtue of that. The thing is, and I'm going to speak for myself, and you can speak for yourself. Before I was a Christian, you take everything of the flesh, and you're looking at Mitch Davis. I mean, just take the murder out of the picture. Take adultery out of the picture. But everything else, you can add in. And I'd be guilty of it in one way or another. So how would God take someone like that with that lifestyle... And use them in his kingdom. And that's where, being in Christ Jesus, we see the gifts God has given to us. We just read out of Matthew chapter 25, and it parallels what we read last week out of 2 Peter chapter 1. Here in verse 14 and verse 15, and I've kind of condensed it in these uh, two verses. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who called his own servants and delivered goods to them. So here he is, he calls these servants who are going to be his, and then when they belong to him, he gives them his own goods. He gives them talents. And he knows each and every one of his servants well enough that he says, here's how much I'm going to give to you because this is according to your ability. I'm not going to give you too much that you can't handle it. I'm not going to give you too little bit because you have more ability. So I'm going to give you more. And that's exactly what it does. It does each according to his own ability he gives. Well, we're told in 2 Peter chapter 1, as we read last week in verse 3, that his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, we would be able to live unto his glory. So that's what we have going on in these Bible passages, what we call the New Testament passages, and we get to see how he has given us all these things and why he has given it. It's all for his glory. We're told that all things are given that pertain to life and godliness. Why? So that when we live, 
unto godliness, when our fruit is to holiness, when we are created as the workmanship of God for good works, then we live unto his glory. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, that's what we are told there. Whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. So we understand that's the purpose. That's why living as a Christian is a purposeful life. And if you're saying, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't feel that purpose. Let me ask you, what's your life like? Are you not living for the very purpose that you see in Scripture? If you are, you've got a busy, fruitful, purposeful life, an intentional life of godliness. We're told in Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, and I was going through as much as I could within from a, the, the Greek and relying upon the scholars on what is being stated in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. But if you go to that passage there, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a New King James Version. Literally, what, he, what the Greek is saying is, when you repent and are baptized, you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's your gift. That's the literal way of reading that text. He is your gift. The Holy Spirit is. And we are told in Romans chapter 12 that the Holy Spirit himself gives us differing gifts. So God gives us his spirit and his spirit gives us various things so that the body of Christ can go out and fulfill the work that the Lord has for his body, his church. And when we read verses 6 through 8... We can see some of what that entails. I want you to go, go there to Romans chapter 12 just for, for a minute so that we can see some of what God has given through His Spirit to the church. We are told in verse 6, having then gifts, things given to us, differing according to the grace, according to the gift that was given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy... As he said in the first century, let us prophesy in proportion, in proportion to our faith or according to our ability that, that we've been given. If ministry or if service, then let us do it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligent, uh, diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I'm sure that list could have gone on. But here's the thing. Before you're a child of God, you don't have all these kinds of gifts. You may have talents, and that's what we're looking at this morning. But there are things that God had not yet given to you. It's an amazing thing because I go from a lifestyle that was of the flesh to a lifestyle that is of the spirit. And in much of it, it was literally an overnight change. The tenderness. I mean, just a little background. You're looking at a 20-year-old that grew up with a chip on his shoulder. An ego that could fill this whole room. I'm sure at times I'm guilty of still filling up the room with my ego. But the point is, God took me, gave me his spirit, just as he does for every believer. And he gives gifts because there were things that I was not able to do before I was a child of God that I was doing as a child of God. There was something different. 
Now, I'm not talking about miraculous gifts here. I'm talking about the fact that, that God has given within the body of Christ His Spirit to give us certain things so that we have pastors and teachers, Ephesians 4.11 if you read it, evangelists. You have all these that make up what we call the church through various ministering abilities so that the body of Christ can grow. That's Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And the same thing is said in 1 Corinthians 12 as it is in Romans chapter 12. All these gifts given for the church to do the work of the church for the glory of the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And for our Father in heaven. And so we're given these things, every one of us, that we may use these gifts that have been given to us for the glory of God. And I mentioned talents. And I don't know if it's like this bone and marrow type thing to, to kind of split hairs between talents and gifts. It seems as if there may be something to that. Because I know that every one of us, from the time we're really, really young, we get to see talents that God has given. I see sometimes in, in little children the ability to just be so forgiving. And then I see others, man, they got to learn it. I see in some children the natural physical ability which this world loves where they are able to sing and become stars, mega stars. Or they have athletic talents and they become very popular. Or they might have leadership skills or they might have business skills, marketing skills, what, all these different abilities and they didn't have to really learn much of it. It's just, it's natural. It's like a talent given. Everyone recognizes that. God has given us talents, and he's also given us, through his spirit, I believe, these gifts that are mentioned specifically in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, as well as things given to us for the church in leadership positions in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 following. And so all of this I say because when we're talking about talents that has been given to us or gifts that has been given to us, and I'm, I'm not making any distinction now between those two. I'm not going to split hairs about them. Here's the point. We're supposed to use them so that we are neither barren nor unfruitful. We cannot take our lights and hide it under a bushel as we teach our children. We cannot take the things, the gifts that God has given to us and use it selfishly so that I can just use it for my own betterment of life. So it helps me with my career. It helps me with my schooling. Versus it helps me to honor God and to glorify him through it. Huge difference. That whatever you've been given, that you use for God's glory. And that's why when we were reading in 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, verses 5 following last week, starting in verse 3 following, really, we were looking at adding to your faith all these virtuous qualities so that when we couple those virtuous qualities with the gifts that have been given to us, wow, look at what happens in the body of Christ. Look at what happens within a congregation of believers as they labor together. You see a church that cannot help but grow spiritually. And you see a world that is influenced by a congregation of God's people so that many turn to the Lord because they love the light that has exposed their sins and seeing the hope of salvation despite those sins. 
That's what we see. This is why we are here. This is the purpose that we have. And so as we talk about these gifts, one of the things that the elders had mentioned in the question, the survey question that you guys have, are for you to have some self-evaluation to reflect upon the gifts that God has given to you. That you acknowledge them. That you embrace the gifts God has given to you. It is not like you just, you work so hard and you're so awesome because you are you, but because God has given you those abilities. And that's where you get to give thanks to God for them. But more important than giving thanks is for you to use what God has given so that you can honor him. And that's what we're talking about here. Here is grace given in different measures. In Matthew chapter 25, remember, he gave to one person five talents. Because that person had more ability, so God gave him what he's able to use. He gave the next person two talents, not because he didn't like him as much, but because when God made that person, here's a person that doesn't have as much ability. For whatever the reason is, he is where he is in his life where he has two talents. By the way, that person ended up with four talents. He became a four-talent person. So something that can happen with the talents that we've been given. One person has one talent. All God wants us to do is use what he's given to us. So when it comes to teaching, not everyone can teach, right? I mean, if everyone were teaching, it'd be like the illustration in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If everyone was the eye, where would be the hearing? Not everyone can teach. Not everyone can exhort. Some of us are better left being quiet than opening our mouth, sticking our foot and everything else in it as we try to exhort someone else. Not every one of us can do that. Not every one of us has the means to, um, to have material gain in this world relative to others. Some have more, some have less. It is what it is. We all have differing abilities. And so we, we see that in Matthew chapter 25. And it's not up to us what we've been given. Sometimes, <laughs> little kind of soapbox slash sidebar note. Sometimes, and I'm speaking to children, sometimes when your parents give you your food and you don't like what you've been given, you've been given a gift. You can eat for the day and sorry for sounding so first worldish, but there's children starving in other parts of the world. They have food, and they're grateful to have food. It's not up to us what we've been given. It's a gracious gift that we've been given it. We've got to acknowledge what we've been given, and here's the kick, that we use what we've been given. That's the thing. And sometimes we fret because we don't have this or we don't have that. Versus give thanks because we have been given this or we have been given that. And we may not have as much as the next person. But we have what we have and it's been given to us. Brethren, we have to acknowledge these truths and give thanks to God. This is who we are. Every one of us. Now, if we can understand we all have differing abilities, you know, some person may be come along and God may have given them 10 talents. We rejoice that God has given us, the body of Christ, a person that has 10 talents. And you rejoice that there was another that God brought into the body of Christ that had one more talent to add 
to the 10 talents. Now we have 11 talents to work with. You see how when we come together and take all the talents and all the different kinds of talents, the differing abilities, if you will, and the types of things that we are able to do, then we get to see what the body of Christ is like. So here's, here's the end result. Look at what you have and use it, and use it to the best of your ability. It almost sounds like 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. You know, when, and, I, and I did not use that passage in here because it's not contextual to what we're talking about, but it reminds me of it. Because he says, I want you to run in such a way as to obtain the crown. Use your talents as if you're going for the crown and you want to be the champion in what God has given to you. Someone said, whether you're going to be president of the United States or whether you're going to be a, a janitor or you're going to work as a CEO or you're going to work as a laborer, whatever you, wherever you are in your life with whatever you've been given as your life vocation, if you will, use it to the very best of your ability for the glory of God. And so some of us, and I was mentioning Miss Sue Clater in the past, Miss Janie Reed, and other sisters in Christ who would be on the phone every single day for hours praying for every single person in this congregation. I'm so glad we have God who gives gifts to our brothers and sisters in Christ who spend countless hours praying. What Kenny was saying is so true. Because you can take someone who's going into the jail and they are no more important than the person praying for them in the jail. I'm going to repeat that one more time. When we have brothers and sisters in Christ, because of time restraint, because of ability restraint, or any other restraint that does not allow them to do a certain work, but they are able to pray... They are every bit as important. No more important and no less important. You still have to have people that go and teach. But both have their place and they are both absolutely necessary. Here's the thing, and, I, and this is to the flesh, and we can understand this. What we see is the person who goes. The person who typically gets recognition is the person who goes. While the part that is unseen is unrecognized. I'm telling you right now, the eyes, they get a lot of accolades. The hair color, the skin tone, all the outward adorning is what gets praised by mankind. And yet, without the liver, without the kidney, without the other organs that are unsightly to look at, that person would not even live, would not have that beautiful skin tone. Just as the human body works that way, so does the body of Christ. There are a lot of things that go on that no one ever recognizes, but they have it. Whether you're teaching, like, okay, I'm going to just use the Bible class situation because it's easy for us since we're here at the building. Whether you're teaching here or teaching outside of this building, but you're teaching, that's a wonderful thing. You know what goes unnoticed oftentimes, unless our elders make it known? There are women in this congregation, not men because I don't see any men doing it, but women in this congregation 
that come together every week that makes it easier for those who are teaching their classes. Whether here at the building or at the jail or in, at the nursing home, wherever, wherever there's material to be made. We have women that come together, spend hours at times, allowing those who are teaching their class not to have to have all that extra work and time and energy to prepare for that, that class through the laborious process that they do. They're just as important. You have those that serve. We have individuals, whether it's the making of meals or, or taking some brother or sister in Christ to go from here to there. It's some of us, we have taken our time to go and reach out to those who are in our community that have just maybe been released from jail and we can take them to a place where they can live rather than live on the streets. You're serving. And then you have individuals that go back to prayer, praying for your safety while others are going out and reaching out to our neighbors in this community. We have others that encourage. We have those that are giving. We have those who are leading. And I'm not talking about leading just from an office standpoint where you have elders or you have Bible class teachers leading from that standpoint. I'm talking about example of godly living. I'm talking about those that when they see something needs to be done, they just get it done. You know, you just see, you see trash on the ground. I mean, parents, when we teach our children, you go and pick it up, throw it away. Even if you didn't put it there, you lead. You have others that are good at following, and they become examples to other members in the body of Christ to learn how to godly or, lead or follow in a godly manner. You have those that are able to stand up in courage or in courageous situations so that when they're standing up for Jesus Christ, their courage is an example. These are gifts and talents, abilities that God has given to each of us a certain measure of. Maybe not one particular talent, but another talent we have, and we have a measure of it. That's what we're told in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. That the Spirit has given us a measure of faith with regard to these gifts. So use them. Use them like a champion, if you will. Use them so that whatever we are able to do as a body here, when we have a need to do the will of God, to do the work of our Lord, that we can point to you and say, you know what? You say you have these abilities that God has blessed you with. We need you here. And the elders are being proactive about it. In Acts chapter 6, it's not that reaction is, not, um, is poor or anything, but at times there are going to be reactions. But there was a need that came up, and the reaction was, we need to find men who, has the, who have these particular gifts, these abilities, to make sure that the widows in our congregation, there in Jerusalem, are able to be fed and to be cared for. And so they met that need. The elders here have decided we want to be proactive about meeting those upcoming needs. Especially as more and more work is being sought in service to our kingdom. And so that's why you're asked to do these things. It's not just go fill up some piece of paper and, and look at, woohoo, this is how good I am. It's not for that purpose at all. I don't know if that, if that ever crossed your mind. It might. But it's so that we can use it. Use you. Use your gifts. Use your talents. Even if it's one talent 
or you got a thousand talents. We want to use you so that we can do the work of our Lord. Now, I don't have the scripture here um, as far as in an outline, but I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 25. And I did not have verse 20 and following read, but I want to read it now to finish. Matthew chapter 25. The whole purpose of Matthew chapter 25 in the scriptures is because judgment is coming. We're all going to be judged. And so in verse 20 of Matthew 25, the parable continues. So he who had received five talents came to his master and brought five, and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered me. You gave to me five talents. Look, I gained five more besides them. He's not boasting. He's just saying, here's what has been done. You gave me five. I took the five and there's five more. That's what a servant does. He's, he works for his master. The Lord said to him in verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me or gave to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. Both of them took what God has given and used it to their full ability. And he said to him in verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a rule over many things. Enter the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Guy can talk. But after all his talk, he comes to this and says, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. I was afraid. I was afraid because, and I'm going to use modern vernacular when we go and share the gospel. I don't know what to say to my neighbor. What you say is, you need the gospel. You need Jesus Christ. You need the Lord's salvation. That's what you say. However you want to say it, but that's what you say. Well, I don't know how to use this talent to the best of my ability. So you never use it? The Lord rebukes his servant. And he says to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. It may not even have been a full one talent. I mean, if we were to do it today, you get a penny, what, for a year's worth of a dollar? Or maybe, not even a penny now. Hey, but something was done. Something was done. A penny was better than nothing. You got interest. You're using what God has given you. Brethren, you have been given talents. And we may never see what you're doing, but I like to think that over time, eventually we will be able to see some of what we're doing because we don't, you know, we're not 24-7 with one another. But whether it's taking care of your family, of relatives, of neighbors, your co-workers, 
caring for them, loving them the way Jesus would us, sharing with them good news with the ability that you do have, then I'm telling you right now, you're bringing glory to God. You're using the talents that have been given to you. But just as this parable was given, to his own disciples, mind you, if you're not using your talents at all, and I'm going to add this. This is beyond the context of Matthew 25, but it is contextual to the gospel message. If you're only using your talents for your own treasures, for your own desires, and not for the Lord, you need to be afraid. Your life is not your own. It belongs to the one who bought you. He purchased you with his blood. Now go and use what he has given to you meant for his glory. Sitting in the pew is not going to get it done. Living in your daily walk with Jesus Christ and using what he has given to you for his glory, that's getting it done. That's what you were called to do. So use what you've been given. And God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You may enter into the joy of your Lord. Does that sound enticing? It's not that you have to give everything that you have. It's that you have to give your whole life. Because if you give your whole life, it's what he's given you. When you do that, you're able to serve the Lord. I said it earlier in the lesson, I want to conclude with it because I need for it to be stated twice. The one talent person is as important as the five talent person. The person who doesn't have his talent in this area, but has it in this area, is every bit as important, even if it's not seen. It is every bit as important. That is why in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, where the body of Christ is told that where every knit and joint does what it's supplied to do. You see the body being edified. You see the body growing. It's a healthy body. And that's what we want here at Franklin. That's what we want for the body of Christ everywhere. A healthy body. A body of workers. Of doers of the faith. And so for whatever the talent you have, whatever ability that you have, and whatever amount of ability that you've been given, use it. I'm going to conclude with this. If you're not in the kingdom of our Lord, the Lord doesn't need you. He wants you, though. He has no need, but he has a desire that you voluntarily die to yourself and you submit yourself to his kingship, his rulership. And you please him when you do that. You honor him when you do that. But that means turning away from living for you and you're turning to a life of living for him from the flesh to the spirit from sin to righteousness and when you do that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful you will be able to take what you've been given and use it for his glory and honor that's your invitation now you need to be baptized in christ so you can die to sin and walk in newness of life or you need to return to the lord we'll be happy to pray for you why not do that right now? It's together we stand and sing.